welcome to This Is Not About Your Body, where we talk about all the real shit body image issues are actually about because they're never just about the way you look. I'm your host, Jesse Nealon, and today I have a guest. This is Megan O'Malley, who is a somatic and intuitive coach focused on relationship and community building. Uh, we met recently at a local networking event here in Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, we clicked and I was a guest on her podcast, which is called Magical Humaning, and, uh, and now she's a guest on mine. So welcome, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Playgrounds, rich conversation. I, I know. I love it. So I'm going to have you just start by talking a little bit about uh, your story and the work that you do. Yeah. So I, well, my story is long. I feel like <laughs> three years old, I, I can look back and go, oh, I've been training for this exact moment. Um, professionally, I will say I was a trained therapist. I, I did child and family therapy for a number of years. And so worked with all of the things there and then realized that I was more of a coach and I guess you could call it spiritual guide, although that's a box I don't know if I want to be put mm. in. And so I needed to be weird. And so I decided to release my license so I could do coaching and do it the way that I knew I was meant to, which was a mix of all kinds of growthy geekery, like, you know, applied neuroscience and somatic training with the, the more mystical side of things. Because I think at our core, us humans really have that, that sparkly bit. Yeah. So a lot of, this is like totally going out of order, but uh, a lot of the work that you do, you talk about magic. And I, I think just describing it as the sparkly bit, I really enjoy. So talk a little bit about what the magic is that you're referring to when you, when you talk about that magical humaning. Yeah. So magic, people talk about magic as this sort of like frivolous little thing, like oh, so magical. Great. I, I am talking about legit magic and you know, I'm a good witch. I play with Oracle cards and all that kind of stuff <laughs> for sure. But that's actually not what sparks the most magic in my experience. What mm. does is when we, when we really come home to ourselves and each other, that's why my work is so inherently relational. Like magic happens when we be who we really are most yeah. fully. It's not easy, certainly not in this world, but when we do that, and then when we do it in community, I view, that's why I call it radical magic, because it's a form of activism to do this approach to living. And not only does it feel sparkly and fun and unicorns and rainbows some of the time, but it, it changes the world because yeah. we come home to who we are and our authentic humanity, not this like weird version of it's almost like facades in New Jersey on houses. It's like one side looks one way, but the whole rest of the house is, is different. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's how we're taught to live. So, mm. so magic is, is that it's alignment. And, you know, I'm also into quantum science. And when we do that, we literally connect to the quantum field in new and different ways and, yeah. and magical stuff happens. So I want to say, um, Asheville, North Carolina is one of the witchiest places I've ever lived. And I've lived in Los Angeles. So <laughs> this, is, this is such a witchy place. I actually, I was going to say, I wish there was a non-gendered word. Like I realize which, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this. Is there a non-gendered word or is which already non-gendered? Which I looked it up, which is technically not gendered. Although okay. like many things, it has been gendered. Of course. Right? Yeah. 
Um, um, I mean, I guess you could say warlock if that's a thing. Warlock or has some dark connotations, though. It's right? like kind wizard of a is kind of bad cool, vibe, but it's still gendered. There's <laughs> it's no still gendered. I know. Um, anyway, yeah. so the the reason that I I say this is I don't necessarily connect to that energy. I love quantum uh, science. I feel like I really really vibe with a lot of the unknowns that people who know the most know we don't know. Like that stuff gets me very excited. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't go too into the woo. And I was like really excited to see some of your stuff and just feel like it straddles that line really nicely um, between worlds, so that it doesn't feel like uh, it doesn't feel like you, you kind of take the best of both, you know, is what it looks like to me. This is why I was a closeted intuitive for a number of years, because I mm. didn't want to get put in that bucket because I knew <laughs> it wasn't me. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't resonate with it either. Like come at me with a yoga voice and I'm going to, I'm going to run away. Too, like weird. I just, I can't. Yeah. So I know that part of my divine purpose is to is to invite people to be in relationship with the mystical in this universally human way and yeah. not this weird exclusive way. Totally. And so one of the things that I wanted to have you on here to talk about was the being in relationship with the mystical can just be being in relationship with other people. Like this is a part of what we were talking about, the alignment, the authenticity, like this is so much magic literally built into our biology, our DNA, um, that to be in community changes us so fundamentally. And in order to experience that, we have to be able to know ourselves. And it's it's this whole incredible thing. So talk a little bit about um, something that you said was a lot of people don't know how alone they are until they experience it. And like, you know, for example, in one of your programs, um, what do you mean by alone? Like, what would you say is this sort of disconnected state that people often aren't aware that they are in? So it's this weird, like, um, I almost picture like a surrealist painting that we're in. We just don't even know because we're not alone. Most right. people are not alone very often. We are covered in humans, right? Like we're, we're on the internet humans, we're right. like house humans. Many, many people are experiencing loneliness. Mm. And I know in our last conversation, what fell out of my mouth as things do was people come into my spaces and they don't realize how lonely they were because they're able to share parts of their humanity that they didn't even know they were closeting. And so loneliness mm. is being alone with some important aspect of our humanity, our pain, our truth, whatever. And, and mm. the moment people do that, I'm telling you like quantum leaps in their healing process. It's I, in my personal life as well as in my programs, this isn't like a marketing yeah. infomercial, but it's like, we don't even know what we're hiding because we're so taught to hide. Yeah. From ourselves first, which is why when I was somatically trained, I was, I would just be in awe of watching people. All they had to do was listen to their body, like listen to the sensations, no meaning, no nothing. And they would start healing. They would come mm -hmm. into relationship with their body and they'd heal. So do that and then do that with other people. What you learn, like yeah. my patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I love this idea that loneliness 
I mean, obviously there's the traditional thing. If you don't have people around, especially in the pandemic, there was a lot more actual like lack of human loneliness. Although we were all on the internet 24 hours a day. So I don't know about (laughs) actual lack of humans, but lack of connection, loneliness, and that there, there is something about being alone in an aspect of yourself that is going to make you feel lonely pretty much no matter what, because we really weren't designed to sit in isolation around any aspect of who we are. And that's where shame breeds. And that's where a lot of like low self-worth stuff and feelings of unworthiness show up. So what is, what do you see happen when someone like comes out of the closet in those spaces or starts to allow those parts of themselves to be seen and held? Yeah. So I think the memo many of us get from culture and from many families, because families just passing down culture, right? Is if I share this, I will be unlovable or less lovable. And Mm. because connection is so essential, what we learn to do is we're like, all right, fuck that. I'm putting it in my back pocket and I will not show it to anyone. And so what I see is, you know, that, that gets really heavy over time and it can manifest physically. It can manifest in every area of life that you could imagine. It probably can that weight, that burden, that, that hiding. But when people find a space or a relationship and they can say, so I'm kind of scared to say this, but this is a truth of mine. And when they are met with people who go, I love that. Welcome. I'm so glad to know you better. It's, I mean, you can literally feel the shame dissolve in their bodies. And when that happens, there's a new story. There's a new story on possibility. There's a new nervous system blueprint that starts happening, right? Like I don't have to walk around scared and hiding all the time. Uh It's huge. And and the world is not safe. Like, I'm not going to say that we can be who we are all of the time in all of the places. I you know, look at me, I can be safe in a lot of places, but it's not a safe world, but we can create spaces that are and communities that are and do our healing there. Yeah. Something I love about that is that it puts us in action and it starts to impact the nervous system. Like you said, uh, I think so many people try to outthink this stuff. And they will come, at least my clients will come to me and say like, you know, I feel unworthy. I need to stop feeling unworthy and start feeling worthy. And I'm like, oh, good luck. Like if, if you succeed, please let me know how you do that. Because trying to come at it from that place of like logic and, you know, thinky thoughts, it just doesn't work. Whereas putting yourself in a space where you can be held and and met and accepted and welcomed that, that literally starts the nervous system down a completely different path. Now you're going to get somewhere. And it's going to feel so much easier. Oh my God. So much I, this easier. is why I'm so passionate about this is, you know, and part of why I have some weirdness in the coaching industry is like, you can't just think your way out of this shit. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so much deeper than the brain, like the brain and the nervous system is a thing, but like yeah. it's so much deeper than thoughts. Our bodies have to have to feel it to trust it. Right. Like, yeah. How many people, everybody listening to this can probably imagine there's been at least one relationship where somebody said, I've got you totally. We're good. And then they dropped your ass, right? Like that's just words, right? Not the experience. Yeah. 
So this is the question I know everyone is going to want me to ask you, and I know there's no good answer, but let's just say that everyone is experiencing some level of disconnect. They are carrying shame. They are carrying secrets. And we are encouraging them to understand that that can be altered in community. And they're thinking to themselves, what are you talking about? Literally, where does this community live? Oh my God. So I feel like most people don't have anything even remotely close to what would actually be a community to meet them the way you're describing. And I know it's so important not to just go randomly like spewing it on people and hoping it works out because it often will not. So this is like a very intentional community. Can you talk about how a person can start to build that? So the not answer answer that I'm going to start with is I, I think it has to start within the self to then again from this quantum perspective attract the people who actually resonate with someone who knows themselves okay so that start that over so so like listening saying, to the body yeah like that okay. kind of stuff it can't just be somebody who is in a place of saying i'm in pain fix me mm. right like that isn't an approach that is going to probably resonate with this kind of community i I'm in pain. I want to know me is probably a different mm -hmm. thing. And once that process starts, then going, okay, who in my world? And I, I, I've done this in my own life in years past. I just would create community. Like for the past five to seven years, I would be like, I need community. I would invest thousands in coaching programs and be like really fucking disappointed. Right? <laughs> like, I was like, okay, I make it now. And, yeah. and I would just call them in and it would be, you know, it would be people meeting in my living room. It would be people yeah. meeting on Zoom that I had just naturally connected with. So like, let your people find you as you're staying curious about your people. And I encourage people to let it be informal at first, mm -hmm. unless, because, you know, in my programs, I say, if this is your first foray into high intimacy community, I'm probably not for you because it's going to be jarring. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? Like it's scary to be seen by a handful of people at that depth. Now, people who have done a lot of growth work, they come in and they're like, oh, I've been yeah. looking for this. But it's, again, the nervous system has to learn how to be safe being seen. Yeah. Really? Because community will draw out the wounds, right? Like there will be stuff to be repaired if mm -hmm. we're doing community. It's not just pretending so let's set aside the community for a second then, because if the thing that has to first come into play is, you know, yourself and you are in relationship with your body so that you can, I'm, I mean, know and express it, I guess, right? Like that, that, that relationship is the, the coming and going of information between it tells me I'm this and then I do it. And so I tell it, I agree. Like that is that conversation happening with the body when you're being authentic. Um, where, where do you, yeah. What does that look like in your world? I mean, to do that work with people, like what is this first step of connecting to the, the self? I mean, I think we are a culture that is taught to override the voice of the body. And so mm. it can be, it sounds so simple. And I know you of all people know the power of it. So, yeah. you know, I guess I'm speaking to the people who don't, but even asking the question, what's happening inside right now, radical life changing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because what we're taught to do is something out there is not working. How can I think it differently? How can I force it different? How can yeah. I change it? 
rather than going in and going into a more receptive state of like, what's happening? It's, it's like this real sweet place of yeah. curiosity and compassion and listening. You know, anytime my body does something now, whether it's breaking a foot or getting a cold or whatever, I'm like, mm. okay. I mean, I know there's very real germs and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like, how might you be collaborating with those germs yeah. to get me knocked on my butt so I can think about things for a minute? Or like, yeah. what's here now? And what's what's the emotional quality? Yeah. It's, it's a it's totally different. Yeah. Did I answer your question? <laughs> uh well, I mean, it's an unanswerable question. It was a trick. <laughs> so no, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, so I think that. When I consider reconnection to the body, I often with my clients will start like on, on the most tangible levels of like skin touch, the five senses, you know, connecting to the muscles moving, connecting to kinesthetic and proprioceptive awareness, just because those are easier to connect to than things like your emotions, your intuition. Like these are like deeper and more just sort of ethereal <laughs> kind of things to connect to. It's all information in the body, but one is a little easier to connect to than the other. So when you say like, what is going on, yeah. do you often work with people who are at that first level or are you usually diving right into like what's going on emotionally, what's going on energetically? Like, well, I mean, I, I tell people at the beginning and I, I did, especially when I was doing somatic therapy, I would say, this is a whole different language. Like yeah. what, what we're doing is learning a new language and your mm -hmm. brain is going to try and brain and it's going to try and interpret because that's what a brain wants to do. It's like, yeah. well, I feel this. So I must be sad. We're not even talking about that. Like I'm mm. teaching people, I'm inviting people really to say like, this feels heavy. This feels squishy. Yeah. If this were a, you know, I'll ask if it, if there were an item in your belly, for example, where you feel where your attention is drawn what shape would it take? Oh, I like that. Yeah. It's all, it's like, and what I love about it is that is the, that is the language of the subconscious too. So yeah. it's right hemispheric wisdom. So when, when we learn that language, not only can we apply it to knowing our bodies, but then it can become the language of intuition. It's, it's, yeah. it's all the same. Once we get out of that left brain, I have to interpret, analyze and box in everything. So what I find is at this point in my career and the people that I'm drawing, it's very natural because it's actually pretty innate. Yeah. Now I've worked with people who, you know, pleasure is not safe mm -hmm. and, and, you know, listening to the body or connecting with the body has, has been shown to be unsafe at some point. And so there's a, there's a tender nuance to working with that because, you know, if there's deep fear around listening, yeah, yeah. there's a thing, but I actually find people just go with it. And I've worked with all different kinds of people. And it's like, once they get the invitation to speak the different language, there's almost the sense of, oh, okay. And yeah, you know, some yeah. people's brains fight it more than others, but I just kind of like invite them back. Okay, great. So you say it's sadness. How do you, how does your body do sadness in this moment? Mm. Where does that live? So it's kind of, I you love, see the mystical nature of it? I do. Well, you know, it's very childish to me. Like I, I was going to yes. say, I really love, you say right brain. I mean, it makes perfect sense. But yeah. instead of like right brain, I just think like kid play. It's kid brain. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, it's this imaginative, like there's a giraffe in my stomach and I can <laughs> feel it so clearly. You know, there's something to that that is the sort of poetic 
uh, side of healing that I love personally, I really resonate with. Um, and I find that my clients who are able to resonate with do so much more growth and healing. Yeah. And there's all kinds of fun ways to play with it. You yeah. know, sometimes I have people take the sensation and place it a distance outside of their body so that they can look at it and they oh, can that's so fun <laughs> and I'll say like walk around it like you're at a museum walking around oh a sculpture gosh right? I love that it's it's this whole and and the coolest part is the nervous system does not care if it's real or imaginary mm -hmm. because the fact is it's just the brain's way of labeling something that is real yeah which is the sensation and yeah. so truth moves energy it liberates stuckness. And yeah. so it doesn't matter if it's a giraffe or if it's like my deepest, darkest childhood wound. It doesn't right. matter. <laughs> oh my God. Fact, the giraffe brilliant. is probably going to move it easier, honestly, because <laughs> of stickiness when we have a narrative. Oh my God. Yeah. And also it just, I mean, to me anyway, I would say that the giraffe gives it a place to go that yeah. doesn't feel dangerous. And anytime you can do this work in a way that feels like really safe, it's going to have a, it has somewhere to go. Right. Like that's just so powerful. I've never heard that though, like taking it out and walking around it like a thing at a museum. I love that. Well, and one of the things that is is core in my work with people in their bodies is we don't look at anything scary until safety is established in the body. Mm -hmm. We don't ever do that. We we create a nice, sweet little swaddled place to land. Yeah. And then we kind of like peek over at the thing. Yeah. And I think there's always a place to come back to which is oh. different than a lot of healing. That's like, find the thing that's wrong and get after it. And let's go. Yeah. He does not like to be bullied. Do you know, um, back when I was a personal trainer and everyone, it was very much the thing of like, I want to get my ass kicked. Like I want to be dead tomorrow, you know, like very yeah. intense. And I would try and explain like, you know, the maximizing effect is right in a zone that doesn't make you feel like you got your ass kicked really. And also doesn't make you feel like you did nothing. Like that's the sweet spot for yeah. effectiveness. If you want to feel crushed, I can crush you, but that's like counterproductive. It's not this thing. So I spent a lot of time explaining that, but I, um, I had a body worker who I basically told like to go in one day and destroy me. And he was like, Jesse, like, you know how this works. Like you think it's different here than it is there. Like, no, it's all the same thing. It is not more effective because it puts you on the defense. And now part of your energy, part of your body is like going in to protect you from this thing that was too much. And I was like, God damn it. I will tell you culturally, especially those in the growth and health and wellness industry, we've got some serious kink for making stuff hard, heavy, and painful. Yes. Like, that is a good way to put it. It is, it is like hurt so good kind of patterning yeah. and like, whatever, if that's your thing, if you can, if you actually enjoy it, but most people uh -huh. don't, it's just so embedded that it like, you know, I've had clients say, what you do is shadow work. And I was like, I know. And they, they said, but it doesn't feel like shadow work. I said, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we're just getting on a roller coaster at an amusement park and we're doing the thing, but like, yeah, it doesn't need to be this like scary, heavy, hard thing. Right. Why make it that? I mean, I was great at making it that mm. until relatively recently in my life. Like I would say I got a solid 30 plus years in on that <laughs> path and I was well-trained of like, 
what is the way I can make this most painful, slow, and agonizing? That, that's what I'll do. <laughs> but you know, it sort of ties into like the productivity mindset. It's like totally. you're, you're, you're doing the most because you are suffering the most. Therefore, that must be the best way to do it. I mean, yeah. It that. Com- yeah, <laughs> it comes from like a, a, what's the word? Like overcompensating, you know? That's why we drive that hard. And It's why the middle road where it feels okay doesn't feel like enough. And why we never get to the real issue. Mm. Because it's if we're so busy doing that mess, we never have space and time to see what's actually happening. We're just trying to outrun what's happening, you know? And it's it's painful to watch. I look at my former self and it's painful to watch. I look at clients, it's painful to watch. And really, when we are... When we come home, when we stop running, when we stop proving, when we stop striving, we get to have goals, big visions for sure, sure. but not that like that one that you just yeah. painted the picture of. We are so capable. I mean, we are so capable as humans. And I think we need a culture of people with more regulated nervous systems mm-hmm. to do what is required of us moving forward. God, yeah. Like it's, I'm not saying I'm regulated all the time. I don't think anyone is but it's better than being on the hamster wheel at a hundred miles an hour every hour of the day. Yeah. Do you know when I first got regulated, it was like a revelation. I don't know that I had ever been regulated before. So at 27, it was like my first time. And I kind of walked around in bliss for months. Like, does everyone know this can happen? (laughs) Um, But yeah, you had mentioned like the running and uh, the, I, I forget how you put it, but something that resonated is, um, some news in my life hit me in a way that it no, it had for years felt very safe. I felt very regulated most of the time. And all of a sudden the thought of just being in my body was no longer, didn't feel safe anymore, felt too painful, thought I would die. And so I kind of got like kicked out again. And I was so mad about this. You have no idea. Oh yeah. I was like, I do embodiment work. Are you kidding me? Like it is such a process And I had worked so hard to get there the first time. I kind of thought that's it. I'm done. I won't be doing, I won't need to do that work anymore. Uh, And now here I am back in it, you know, working through that stuff again to, to come back home because I got, I got, I got booted. And I'm so glad you bring that up because I think there is this illusion of the linear path with this process of, oh, I've got it. Cool. And I don't believe in that. Not while we're living in this world. Maybe if I was like living in a hut in the woods, just with mother nature, I would have a good (laughs) shot at it, but I am not, that's not my life path. That's not what I'm meant to do, but there's, there's this sense. And again, shame, right? Like had it and I lost it. What happened? What did I do wrong? Or, or I'm not safe in the world ever, ever, ever can be common responses. And it's like, I think about people who train, right? Like it's, it's like interval training. Like we get the rest days and then we yeah. come back and then we get the new initiation, the new invitation to listen more deeply, rest more fully, whatever our invitation is. Yeah. We all have our like default ones. Um, I, I tell people all the time, I'm, I'm by nature pretty fiery and stubborn and I'm trying to get better at the feather on the wrist invitation. So I don't have to get the sledgehammer ones. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah. the universe is going to serve it up. However, I, uh-huh. I need, um, yeah, but I, I hear the that. feather on the wrist ones 
better. Yes. Um, okay. So I want to go back and connect this to community, but, um, first, can I have you just define maybe like we talked about the importance or rather the power of being seen, having that connective intimate space where you essentially come out of the closet with whatever aspects of yourself you've been hiding and let it be witnessed. Um, what is the role of having a regulated nervous system in that space? Do you have to come in regulated? Like, do you have to know yourself so well? Like, what, how do you hold all of that? I think it's, you know, the, the thing I look for in people, cause it's an application process in my communities mm -hmm. that I do is, um, somebody who understands that regulation is a thing mm -hmm. and has some tools, because the fact is when, when anyone comes into a space like that, you're going to get dysregulated, like mm. not dysregulated necessarily like popping off kind of a right. thing, but dysregulated, like my nervous system doesn't want to do this, but my knowing says I must, mm. it's that kind of tension. And so I know my role as the, the space holder is to be the most regulated person in that group. Yeah. My energy is very big and I'm a, I take personal responsibility for that. So I do my own work to hold mm -hmm. that because I know I set the tone. Mm -hmm. And so I tell people like, really put your gut on any facilitator space you're stepping into because mm -hmm. how they make you feel is how they make you feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's, there's something about that. And then I give people tools. I mean, like we use breath which again, can be safe or can need, yeah. it might need to be reclaimed for people, but breath. And we always anchor in the body to set the tone before we do anything in my spaces. We don't, we don't just kind of like come off a of life and then start unpacking our deepest shit. It's, yeah. there's a formula to it, which is why I've gotten the call to like mentor people so they can do it. Right. So this is a very intentional space though. I'm thinking like, what about a person who just wants to go to like a book club and make friends or, you know, joins a hiking group or, or anything really in their life that they are, they have been working on getting to know themselves. They are working on having a connection to what's going on inside them. And then they're trying to take it out into the world and allow it to lead to more intimate connections. What does that look like? How do you know you're ready? How does it you, how, yeah. How does it go? What does it look like? It's a creative experiment. Like I, I encourage people not to go, like not go into a new space and then, you know, say their biggest secret, right? Like that's, that's a setup to yeah. go right back into the turtle shell. Yeah. But, but what's the thing, what's the baby step version or yeah. it doesn't even have to be baby step. What's the thing that your nervous system can tolerate? Yeah in that context with the level of intimacy and trust that's been built and, and do that, you know, and that's part of that self-awareness. Like what's my edge? Yep. What's the thing? Like, I remember when I was coming out as an intuitive, I'd be like, yeah, so I think maybe sometimes I just, I, I hear things and I, it was, it was like that, like casual. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, yeah, I know. It's like, I, I had, I had people, I was working with an intuitive coach and he said, Megan, it's like the friend that everyone knows is gay and <laughs> it's so relieved when they just say it yeah. so that it can be like known and celebrated. So a lot of times yeah. it's actually pretty underwhelming when we bring out those baby step parts and, and, and that's the nervous system learning, yep. right? Like 
I say, well, sometimes dead people come through and people are like, oh yeah, that tracks, (laughs) you know? So I would, I would say that when people are doing this for the first time, there is a lack of reference point. Well, I guess for a lot of it, but, but I feel like the biggest one is like for the fact that it will be worth it. That's like the hardest thing is knowing that the payoff to all of this discomfort of showing up like, okay, I got right with myself. I figured out that there's this part of me that I've been hiding. I want to share it with people. That first part where you start sharing is the worst. And you don't have the reference point of like, but it will lead to this really satisfying intimate connection because you haven't done that yet. And I wonder if you have any thoughts on this, because I really think that's just like the hardest part of this journey for a lot of people. Yeah. And what I would say is it can't be sharing to get someone to do something or be something for you. It Mm -hmm. has to be sharing to feel more liberated as a human in this world. And that's, that's the payoff that, mm. that is most helpful to focus on. Because if somebody comes out into the world and says, I'm going to do this so that they yeah. blank, I mean, it's like a Mad Lib. Put in any scenario and it's probably not going to go well a lot yeah. of the time. Because, you know, universal law type stuff, when you're trying to change someone else to liberate yourself, not a great setup. So like, would I feel lighter to not hide this part of me? Mm. Would I feel Mm -hmm. more liberated and expanded if I didn't have to pretend that I wasn't blank or didn't like blank? Okay. Well, that actually feels good. And, and that's the, that's where you set the tone for saying like, I only do relationships where Yes. Okay. It's a ta-da kind of way of moving through life. After my divorce, when I started dating, it was, that was when a lot of my nervous system reset. Cause I was like, here I am. I'm a lot. I'm intuitive. I grow a lot. I say what I think, take it or leave it. And it was really great practice because in my earlier years, that is not how I moved through life. I was very good at molding myself to who I needed to be in hopes I would get certain responses from others. You know, there's such a, there's such a scarcity of people in that too. Cause I feel like once you start, uh, doing the thing where you're showing up and, and being your whole truth, it becomes like an automatic vetting system, which means you will have a lot more turnover, yep. but there are so many freaking people on this planet. Like yep. that is not a problem. <laughs> it's an amazing thing, but people who are in that scarcity place of like, you know, there's, there's 10 people I might like in this town and I'm, I don't want to alienate four of them by, you know, sharing this thing. Like it really does start to feel like your life gets so small and you don't have a choice, but to hide it. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of part of the path is, are you willing to let your life feel small in order to have the magic? And I've Mm. had countless conversations where I say, you don't have your people because they can't find you because you're hiding. Yeah. Like you're like a lighthouse that's got a big blanket over it. And you're oh. like, why are people finding me? <laughs> that's they, they so sad, that imagery, a little big blanket over it. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's not that that's our responsibility is to yeah. be as much as our nervous system can tolerate mm-hmm. 
who we are, because that's like sending out the radio signal so that the universe can work its quantum magic and be like this person, this person. And, and not to say there isn't turnover there because we're all evolving. Of course. And some people, what is that thing? People come in for a reason, a season or a lesson or some shit Mm. like that. Like that's real. That's part of the abundance of our humanity. We are taught part of our conditioning rooted in scarcity that we're supposed to hold someone's hand forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. If they were your best friend once, they should be your best friend forever. If they were your partner once, they should be your partner forever. Yeah. I don't think we're supposed to be like that. <laughs> I, I mean, God, I agree. I feel like letting go of loyalty. I mean, certainly I have my own definition of loyalty that means something to me, but loyalty, the way I was handed it as a value was really, really meaningful for me because I had felt like I was being a bad person by essentially like not spending time with people who I didn't feel like fully seen and nourished by. And that was a huge shift. And I was really lonely for a little while in the middle, you know, like there was a very lonely period before I started to draw in the people who, who did, because like there is no reason for people to flow in when you don't have the space, right. When that space is occupied, even if it's not satisfyingly occupied, it's like, why I don't buy myself new sweaters. Cause I have sweaters. I hate in my closet. Like I have to literally take them away and put them away in order to give myself permission to buy the thing I want. Like there is just, yeah, a need to allow turnover to in be the liminal space. Thing. Yeah. In between mm-hmm. anything we want, whether it's relationship or, I mean, you can look to nature. We're just emerging out of winter here, right? Like it's the phase where it looks like nothing's happening yeah. before everything happens. Mm. We are nature. It's how it works. And so, you know, it's the time, winter is the time to go inward. So those times mm-hmm. where we're lonely are probably because we're supposed to like make friends with ourselves in deeper ways. Mm. And I know that's, you know, we get to roll our eyes and have temper tantrums when we don't want to, for sure. Yeah. And it's probably a necessary recalibration a lot of the time. Yeah. I was wondering if you could speak to why it's worth doing this work. I know that you kind of touched on like, you have to be able to find a way that is internally generated. Like I feel lighter. I feel more aligned with my truth. I feel good when I share these parts of me, no matter how it's received, but also like, what is the, what is the down the line benefit? You know, like what, does a person who takes the time to do this healing work, to know themselves, to be brave and authentic, like what can they, what's the point of it? What do they get? <laughs> I know it's not a trade, but what it talk about what the point is. Oh my gosh. I, this is going to sound really cheesy. So brace yourself. Okay. It's, it's a life that feels like freedom. It's, it's like, I, I, my nervous system in this moment can say it knowing that I still get tangled in my own conditioning and humanity yeah. from time to time, but it's like, I move through the world feeling a sense of joyful permission to embrace and be who I am. Like I, and I, I cannot put better words to it as far as what it feels like, but other than magical, like, and I, I want that. It makes me feel like I could get teary. Like I want that for so many people because it is so it's right there. It is right under the surface. It's like people think it's this massive, massive mountain to climb. And for some people that is, that's their path. For mm-hmm. most people, it's so much closer than they realize. They just don't know that they get to want it. Mm-hmm. They don't know 
how possible it is because that's not the story we're fed and that's not the story people are modeling everybody's just fucking pretending so everybody's going oh it's a world where we pretend that's how we do success that's how we human is we pretend better so that and then we just feel like depression anxiety physical stuff like the body is grieving our way of living like that and so to 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 feel like to create that sense of safety of moving through the world or living in one's body is the payoff. Yeah. And, and drawing in connections that are, I'm, I'm consistently in awe of the connections in my life and the way people love and care for me and know and accept me. I still have my shit feeling alone in the world, right? Like Mm -hmm. I've got my core wounds, but when I stop and look around or when I move through my day and see people at the grocery store, I'm like, holy shit, this gets to be my life. Like I get to live like this. And I wrestle with my shadows regularly. I'm on the Mm -hmm, fast track path mm -hmm. of growth. So it's not, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, but those moments, those days, those weeks when I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot even believe this. That's big payoff. That's worth all of it for me. So I loved that. Thank you for sharing all of that. The freedom thing. I think I, I, I feel very limited by the English language in this experience, but if we go with freedom, uh, it is like a lack of oppression of self, right? You are not compartmentalizing, uh, editing, (laughs) you know, like hiding, stuffing forward, pulling back. Like you're just not doing all this extra labor. And so there is a freedom in essentially getting to just God, it's like actually very energy saving when you think about it this way. I think about how much energy I used to spend trying to manage other people's perceptions of me. They've done studies of this, Jesse. I was, I was in a group just last week and the woman was saying, you know, the amount of energy that goes into not being who we are is massive on a nervous system level. Like it's massive. And think about what all of that liberated energy could do in the world. Oh my gosh. Activism. I'm telling you, I say yeah. magic, but I'm a fucking activist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so, doing it in the way that I am. <laughs> <laughs> so there is this very linear relationship between getting to know your body, like learning to connect with your body, taking that, taking what you've learned, bringing that authenticity into relationship and community and like changing the world, you know, like you liberate your energy, you start taking that into the world. Um, I absolutely believe this as well. And I also really connect with what you were describing, this feeling of freedom, this looking back and thinking it's like ease that I have now. I just don't do as much work. I did so much work for so long. And like, how do you describe that payoff other than it's just like, it's like I had a thousand things going on every moment and now I just have like pretty much the one. And that one can be really bad sometimes, but it is just the one. I mean, it was so much like, like I was plugged into so many things when I was trying to be the right way. And each little bit of coming out has been like unplugging one of them. Like, oh, I'm non-binary. Okay. I'm bisexual. Look over here. I don't want kids. Like everything that's been unplugged. I just, it, it is so joyful to look back. I don't necessarily think about it all the time, like me and my one plug, but like when I, when I reflect on it, you know, I'm like, thank goodness. Like that was exhausting. Yeah. And pulling those plugs is scary every time. Every time. Every single time. And 
I think there are a lot of folks saying, painting a picture of growth or healing in a way that's like kind of sugar-coated. And I will never do that. I will say it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to suck before it's magical. Mm-hmm. Like yes. this is, this is the way growth works. It's the nature. There is a death and rebirth process. We are taught to, to really not want to let things die or yeah. grieve or whatever the thing is. And, and like, it's part of the deal. I think that's why I wanted to have you speak about the benefits. Cause it, it really is hard. Well, especially in a world where like healing, wellness, even spiritual culture, like there's a lot of stuff that is not, it does not lay a realistic foundation for what a person should expect. And like either there's a lot of spiritual bypassing and like toxic positivity where you're expected to like feel rainbows and sunshine all the time. And then you feel like a failure if you don't, or there's just this assumption that it happens quickly or permanently or linearly or whatever. And it just sets you up to not feel like the way it happens is okay. Um, but also I think it makes it feel like, well, maybe it's not worth it. And those two things are totally different, right? It is okay. And it's worth it, but it is hard to speak into if you haven't had that reference point. I think it's so important to just like try to unpack that. Also, we haven't even really talked about yet what it means to like, this is just, this is just you and you so far. The other aspect that you mentioned is you and everyone else that you draw in these connections that what, like talk about that. What happens in your life when you draw in connections as the person that you fully are in your truth. I mean, this is where it gets really mystical in my world is I think when, and this is why I use human design in my work. Cause when we are living our authentic, unique design. Can you wait? Sorry. In case anybody doesn't know, can you define what human design is? Ooh, I can't really define it, but it's an archetypal um, tool it's they a lot of people call it the new astrology. It's a merging of several several different archetypal approaches, yeah. you know, but it it helps. It's very complex, which is what I love about it because it honors the uniqueness of humans and then you it's a reference point for deconditioning to actually yeah. rediscover kind of who we actually are and how we're meant to play well with others. It's, you know, how our energy likes. Mm-hmm. So I think In our culture, we have been taught to kind of like these 15 steps work for everyone. And I think there's something, there's a big conversation around coming back to what is my way? What is my path? What is my timing? And as we become more of who we are, we're going to attract people who either are going to illuminate the things that we need to grow. Mm -hmm. I've, I've drawn people in who were like, amazing representatives of my core wound so that I could meet that old pattern differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I've drawn in people who I couldn't believe how loving and supportive and perfectly timed they were. Right. So it's, it's all flavors. Magic is not Lisa Frank lunchbox kind of vibes. It's like (laughs) magic is alchemical and it is here. It is here for it, whatever that it is in service of our, our path. And so I think there's, for me, this way of living is about um, helping people and helping myself honor my path rather than trying to look for what it should look like from other people and making meaning accordingly. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people like to compare and in community, that's part of what we talk about is like, your path is your path. Yeah. Your path is their path. What, what are you being gifted right now? What are you being shown? What are you being initiated in? Whatever the wording is. 
And then like, yeah, theirs is different. And you get to have your feelings about that. And those feelings are part of the alchemy. <laughs> so there's obviously just like the sort of instant feedback thing that we think of like connections feel good because they like release chemicals in our bodies. It feels really good to be seen. We have people to support us and have fun with all these things that are like sort of more obvious about connection. But you're also saying that it goes back and forth because it reinforces an unashamed sense of self, right? When you, when you show up fully in your truth, you draw the people in who are going to reflect back that this is okay. And so there is that like, um, that who you are is okay, I guess, that you can continue doing that work in that space. Well, they're gonna either reflect that who you are is great, okay, and to be celebrated, or they're gonna push back on it so that you can build the muscle of standing more firm in it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, so no matter what you bring in, you're saying at the point that you are in your power and your truth, when you meet people, whatever it is, you're able to draw from it and keep growing. Yeah. So like one, the, the, the people who are really excited about our authentic self are like the fertilizer for the plant. Yes. And then the people who come in that are like, fuck that. I hate that. I don't like that. I judge that. It's like the, those little stakes you put with a plant where we're like, oh no. I yeah. And I've said for years, we heal old relational patterns when they, that same energy comes yeah. back and we are able to meet it from a more empowered stance. Like Yes. It just dissolves another layer of that pattern when that happens. I sometimes think of this too, as like the way in like toddlers, you know, the, the thing of like, they will go off and they're like, don't come with me, mommy. Like I'm doing this alone. And then they fall and they're like, like they go right back. Right. Um, I saw a really cute video of a baby elephant doing that, like fall down and then going right over to its mommy. And it was like the exact human dynamic of a toddler and parent, you know? Um, but I think of that, I think like, we don't need to avoid pain in order to feel safe in this world, right? You can see that dynamic. The kid felt the same amount of pain as if, you know, it could have been wildly traumatizing if nobody was there. The important thing that that message was sent in that moment and that meeting of the nervous systems was there's somebody else here to soothe me. And that's everything. That's community. That's, That's community. community. And as adults now, it's not like the, you know, you don't have like the one person generally, uh, or, or, or it's not the same dynamic, but when you know, you have your people to go to and someone else is a dick to you, it yeah. does not read the same when, yeah. when horrible things happen. And you know, I've got my people who really, they see me, they get me, they know me. It is the same thing. Like you just go back, you regulate, you feel supported. You feel not alone in the world. And that pain is completely different. Completely different. And people don't often have that to know that. So they, they just feel they the pain. They get to have it. They don't know they get to have it. It's not, not even on the expectation radar. Yeah, that's true. And that's why I love that we're having this conversation because it's like, I've talked with so many people who have it. It's right there. But when they're in their shame and, and taking somebody's shitty behavior personally, they can't even see the support mm. that is right here, right? Mm. Like, I mean, last year while my partner was hiking the AT, I broke my foot and it was like, I felt so alone. And because I had to, I, I reached out to neighbors down the street who were ridiculously loving, right? Like taking mm -hmm. me to her, doing all the things. But I was sitting there in my alone story. Yeah. And if it wasn't for significant pain and literal ability, inability to walk, 
I wouldn't have done it. And I think yeah. that's what we do. We get stuck in our expectation. And I have a very prideful conditioning around like my ableist bullshit around doing it myself and being strong all the time. Sure, like it's, yeah. it's horrifying. And <laughs> I know exactly where it comes from and it is sneaky. Uh-huh. And it's like, you know, I, I'm working that. And I think a lot of us are. Yeah. Uh, myself included. Absolutely. I relate to that. You know, this is one of the reasons actually. So I lived in New York city for uh, like a decade and everybody told me it came from a small town, upstate New York. And everyone was like, oh my God, culture shock. You're going to just like meet all these horrible people, like these mean, nasty New Yorkers. And one of the first uh, couple of months that I was there, I had to go, I basically found out like that I had to drop out of college and there was no like scholarship funding that it was just like a, a devastating moment. And uh, so I'm sitting outside on the curb, just collapsed, like weeping into my backpack, like just having the like nightmare moment of everyone can see me and I can't stop this. This is just going to happen. And I had like 10 people stop and ask if I was okay, if they could help me. Did I need a phone? Like it was, I mean, I realize it's a numbers game in some way, right? Like they're just how many people actually walked by me. I don't know a lot, but that made me feel cared for in a way that New York city would go on to make me feel cared for, um, that I don't know is replicatable in a small town. And it just, it felt so much like I was a part of like a network of people underneath me, you know, and that I realize is like very counterintuitive to what a lot of people think of like the big bad city, but I always felt like there would be people there to care, to pick me up, like in this very stranger danger way, it was like, just put to rest. Like there will always be whatever the opposite of stranger danger is just yeah. from volume, you know? And I love that feeling. Well, and it sounds like you were given the gift of like setting the tone through that really painful experience. Right. Because- I mean, that was an authentic expression. I did not mean to do it, but my God, was that my truth in the moment? Just hysterical crying. Yeah. Well, and, and it might, New York might've felt really different if you had done that and you had been on a dirt road where nobody passed and mm-hmm. you just were alone, right? Like, exactly. And so this is, I'm, I'm in the process of revamping my whole website now to talk more about relationship, but it's, that example is so brilliant for how we as humans are taught, right? Like we all have these early, early life relationship imprints of what to expect and how life works. And we don't, we're not even conscious of them, but it shape, it colors all of our experiences until we realize what's actually happening. Or we have these jarring experiences, either magical jarring or like traumatic jarring that create a new story. And then Mm -hmm. that new story lives in the body. And then that colors our expectations, you know, but again, even thinking that community is an option huge. God. So, okay. If someone's sitting, listening to this episode and thinking to themselves, it's not an option for me. What, what do you say? That's okay. Like, that's okay. Be there. Like, don't force it to be an option. Like hmm. I would, I would sit with someone quietly if they were in that space. Cause that's a really painful space, right? Mm. Like that's, that's not a casual response. That's an, I'm in pain and I don't believe whatever. It might be, I don't believe I get to have that kind of support right, or whatever. And yeah. I would, I would not push it. And then when appropriate after some breaths, I would probably yeah. say, what do you think it would feel like if it was yeah. like, what do you think it would feel like if it was possible for you? Like what, 
can you imagine? I would go into imagination Mm -hmm. because we can't strong arm ourselves into believing something different. And if we try, we're just going to get further away, but we can play in the land of wonder and imagination. Like, what do you think it might be like? What might it feel like? Or do you notice what's happening here? Like, right, right. (laughs) Relationship a lot with people. I'm like, okay, what are you noticing here? You know, you said you feel safe. What's happening in your body now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or sometimes someone will tell me like, I just feel like if anyone ever knew about this, like they would hate me. And I'd be like, do I hate you? Exactly. (laughs) Because you've been chosen. I know about it. Yeah. (laughs) You've been chosen to, to start reworking that belief. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why I think people who do things like you and I, I view it as a super sacred role. Like absolutely to bear witness to people's most like closeted, tender spaces. I never take for granted. And I'm like, I'm going to hold it with as much love and compassion as I have access to all the time. And it's not going to feel like a, like weird mother kind of vibes. It's just going to be like, (laughs) I see you and I'm here and I'm not scared and I'm not running. And I kind of love it. It's beautiful from over here. So kind of going back to something we talked about early on in this episode was like the idea that, um, a person feels lonely when they are hiding an aspect of who they are. And often that's some piece of like quality characteristic, whatever truth, um, that they feel like no one else would relate to understand, accept, welcome, or, or whatever. There is that feeling of I'm the only one. And as you can probably imagine, because my world is body image issues, people come in all the time with, I'm the only one who feels this, but, and a lot of, I would say a lot of the like joy of my life is getting access to this behind the scenes thing so that I feel a sense of connection and belonging that everyone is experiencing these deep human things all of the time, because I have like VIP access with my clients. I'm so, so freaking blessed to be able to see this because it's kind of like if you never saw anyone naked and then just had to decide if your body was right, you know, like people just think, well, I'm the only one whose thoughts I can hear and they're wrong because I can't hear anyone else's, but no one else is saying the stuff I feel inside. And that kind of like performative culture, like you were talking about, we get behind the curtain on it. And I always say this to my clients, like, I wish I wish I could just get you all in a room and make you say to each other the things you say to me, because it would change all of your lives. Like nobody thinks or rather everybody thinks they're alone in the things that are the most universal. And we we get proof. I mean, it's it it has fundamentally changed how I see everything to do this work. Yeah. And I think as people who have any sort of public presence, it's it's ours to invest in, you know, um, with responsibility and boundaries, share our own humanity because Mm -hmm. people can, you know, I think people can pedestal growth professionals and stuff like that and be like, yeah, but you, you don't know, you don't know. And it's, I think there's something to be said for being like, yeah, like me too. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm here except when I'm here. And, Mm -hmm. And that's very different from a lot of growth culture. That's very different from a lot of public uh, social media culture. And so yeah. I think there's something, there's probably more happening there with people like you during your work and, and talking about your story and where you've come from 
that is, it's turning over some of those stones for probably mm-hmm. more of your people than you realize. Now, getting them all in a room together and helping them fall in love with each other and see themselves in each other, like that's some super sauce of magic that I, I'm I'm here for it. Um, and that's what I'm doing in my small little corner. Yeah, of the yeah. World. But like, um, you know, baby steps. Yeah. It is so, it is so powerful. I think, I mean, this is really what this whole conversation has been about. Like, the magic of being able to connect to yourself so you can connect to others, being able to connect to others so that you can take that into something meaningful in the world. And that goes right back into your connecting with yourself. You know, there's so much here that is um, just like power being handed around, truth being handed around. And each person can start with them with themselves. And, you know, unfortunately we are taught that it's not ours to do, Mm. that somebody else has to give us permission, all these things. And it's like, start where you can, right? Mm. Like being authentic, like saying a truth to your partner or your child or whatever, that's a start. That's bringing more truth. That's bringing, that's standing for a culture of magical humaning to use my, like it's radical magic to do that. Mm. It doesn't have to be a grand public gesture. It's investment in a new culture. It's investment in a new way of living with each other. And that, you know, I'm so mindful the way I interact with servers, with checkout people, with like networking people. I'm, I try and do it everywhere, right? It's, it's a way of life that is, you know, it doesn't need to be compartmentalized and probably it shouldn't be. (laughs) I agree. And I yeah. still hide and I still notice when I'm hiding and I'm like, <laughs> look at that. Why are you miserable? Oh, you're hiding. Oh, you're scared. And you're not wanting to show it. You're trying to be strong. Like, and that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Megan, this was amazing. Thank you for talking to me. I would like to ask uh, if there's anything we didn't touch on yet that you wanted to touch on. Cause I feel like we have bounced all over. And I think that this connective thing was like, the most important to touch on, but anything else that you want to say today? Um, okay. This is coming in. Interesting. Um, I think people realizing that their lives are the work is really important. Like we're, we're taught in this productivity culture. We need to like push toward out there. We need to figure out that thing. And there's a, there's a lot of power and healing and knowing that like my life and my relationship with my body is my work of art that I am. It's my legacy. Like it's what I'm, it is my contribution. It is my legacy and not with some high stakes, but just like that gets to be enough is what Mm. I want to say. Bringing intention and a little more love to that is more radical and more of of, of an embodied, authentic, full of integrity form of activism than a lot of others. I feel like a lot of people need to hear that, you know? I love it. All right. Thank you. Um, Tell everybody where they can find you if they are vibing with everything you have to say. Yeah. So you can find me and hop on my newsletter at MeganO'MalleyCoaching.com. It's Megan with an H. And my social media playground is Instagram. And I'm at Megan O'Malley Magic over there. I have a podcast, Magical Humaning, which is my love note to my community. So have a lot of fun there. There's lots of growthy goodness. And um, yeah, those are the main places. Awesome. We will link to those in the show notes. And uh, 
Thank you so much for being here. This was an absolute pleasure. Um, everybody listening, you know where to find me, justinnewland.com or on Instagram or more recently on TikTok where I am finding my way through the new landscape slowly but surely at Jesse Nealon. So, um, all right. Thank you so much, Megan and everyone listening. I'll catch you next week. <laughs>